What's up, what's up, y'all? It's your girl, Amanda, a G, single plant mom, and the host of the Being a Person of Color podcast. This is the podcast where we learn all about the life stories of people of color as they relate to growing up, personal growth, personal belief, and culture. This is the 10th episode, y'all, 10 episodes. I cannot believe that we actually got this far, 10 freaking episodes, and Honestly, I think the most like wonderful part of each recording and each one of the episodes has truly been how much I've learned, not just about like myself, but about the community that I've known. Some of these cats, y'all know, I've known them for years and years and years and years. And some of this information that came out of this podcast was just totally brand new. And so I really appreciate all of y'all tuning in, listening, sharing, commenting, suggesting, volunteering to be on the show because truly like my community is what drives me. It's what drove me to, to this, to create this content. And it, I really just like so, so appreciate from the bottom of my heart, all of y'all for tuning in. Tonight's guest is someone that I had the pleasure of meeting last year at a networking event uh, within, within the cannabis industry, go figure, uh, and is someone that I was able to reconnect with through uh, a friend, a mutual friend uh, of ours. And this person is someone that I truthfully don't know a lot about. I know enough from what we've discussed, but I'm really looking forward to tonight's episode because not only is this person someone that is one, a fantastic cannabis connection to, to have and to cherish, but two, someone that has embodied the epitome of what it's like to be yourself and to follow your path and to stay true to you throughout every phase of life thus far. This individual is someone that is not only worked within the corporate financial environment where historically are not always friendly to people of color and has successfully transitioned their career into the cannabis industry and is arguably working on a project that is truly one of the most important podcast web shows that you can tune into right now because they talk about the real stuff that's going on within the cannabis industry as it relates to the minority community, as well as the successes that we're having and how we can continue to connect and grow and develop ourselves. This individual is a family man. He's a financial wizard and a cannabis mogul in the making. I'm calling it. He's someone that, like I said, he always reps himself wherever he goes, no matter what, and always remembers where he came from. I love that. Y'all know I'm Southside till I die. 773 Chicago what's up hey. what's up tonight's guest without further ado is our lovely wonderful host of the diversity report to hear Johnson what's up to hear <laughs> yo man that was a dope intro man you what's up what's up what's up you made me sound cool as shit. <laughs> hey, because you are, man. And, hey, you know what? To be fair, if you were not cool as shit, I don't know. That's not true. I would probably still have you on the show, but I don't know if you have as much fun. <laughs> nah, I appreciate that. You know, it, it definitely um, is humbling. You know, every time I hear somebody do one of those little intros, um, you know, just talking about the things I've done because I, I, I've worked hard, but sometimes it, it's hard to sit back and even notice all of the moves that you're making and how it all all comes together 
Oh, hell yeah. I mean, especially too, you know, you've got so many things that you're juggling at this point, you know, being a family man, a career man, a, a black man, being some, a, a financial man, being somewhat the many that wears many hats, but does it so well and with such grace and with such poise and confidence. And I think that's something that like, everyone needs someone to look up to. Everyone needs that kind of energy in their life when they're ready to receive that. And I'm just so grateful that you're here sharing it with us. Thank you, thank you. I'm always, always glad to, you know, sharing it. Um, I, I believe in the saying, each one teach one. Um, there was something I learned very early on, so I'm always trying to share anything that I've been blessed to be able to attain in terms of knowledge. I'm always glad to try to put it back out into the universe. Oh, I love it. So tell tell our listeners, uh, where are you currently located and, and what's been going on? All right. Yeah, for sure. So um, so first, um, got to rep, gotta rep Trenton, New Jersey always. I was born and raised in Trenton, New Jersey, but I've actually been in the, in the Washington, D.C. area for, man, they're going on 20 years now. So, oh, wow. Yeah, I've, I've been, I live in Maryland now, but I've been in, I came to D.C. in 2001 when I um, went to Howard University. Shout out to all my bison. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been here ever since. And um, I, um, I've, like I said, yeah, I've been in Maryland ever since. And so now I work for the National Cannabis Industry Association, which is the cannabis industry's oldest and largest trade association about 2,000 members around the country, give or take, um, doing business development, working in our membership department. But most recently, I've, um, I've taken on the lead of our diversity, equity, and inclusion um, initiatives and, and um, things across the organization. So I've been getting to do a lot of good work with a lot of good people all around the country um, and dismantled um, some of the financial barriers that people have to success in the industry, which is um, what I always wanted to do is one of the reasons that I actually got here um, I've been in cannabis for a little bit over two years, but I worked in finance previously, um, and I was an investment advisor um, where I helped people manage investments, stocks, bonds, um, you know, financial planning for retirement, education, all different types of things like that. So. Okay, so working with NCIA, and I know like before you joined NCIA, you also started your own cannabis investment firm called Budhound, correct? Yes, I did. Yeah, so... Yeah, so my, my road to get into NCI, I actually did quite a few things along the way. Um, so first, my, my first introduction to the legal cannabis industry, Hope is the youngest black woman to own a dispensary in the country. She also came from a financial background as well. She was an investment banker. So as I'm sitting there reading this article, I'm like, man, like I could, I could do this. And so yeah. I her, um, saw that and um, at the same time, there were a couple of things going on. Um, Maryland's cannabis industry had just finished doing a disparity analysis. And to their, to the surprise, they found that Maryland's cannabis industry was not diverse. There was a lack of ownership of people of color in the industry, right? You need a whole- Why stud. is that a, yeah, why is that a surprise, <laughs> Why Why is that a surprise? Like, oh my right. God, oh wow. Looking yeah. around the room and there's no, there's no color whatsoever. And you're like, oh, right. wow, yeah. So they did a they did a study and they found that there was a lack of um, ownership by people of color in Man in Maryland's cannabis industry and through that process they released um, there was four cultivation licenses and ten processing licenses. Um, so with that in mind, like I said, I, I wanted to get into the industry, but most importantly, I wanted to try to figure out how to 
um, how to help people of color get access to capital. Because as I was learning and reading about the industry, I knew that that was one of the biggest barriers that our people face to actually being able to get success. I heard about how they'll say, oh, you know, we have this, but they, they would talk about people from our communities don't have the professional experience. Oh, this is a million dollar industry and it takes this and that. So for me, having been somebody that worked in, worked in cannabis, worked in Wall Street, like I realized that a lot of those things and excuses that they could typically make about people from our community wouldn't necessarily apply to me. Yeah. Um, also, when it comes to cannabis, you know, I mean, I've um, I mean, I'm from the community, right? Like, yeah. I, you know, like I said, I, I grew up in the hood. I've, I've been um, cannabis consumer, like, since high school. So, like I said, this yeah. has been a part of me. Even when I worked in finance, like, there I, like there wasn't a day that I wasn't, like, stoned. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially working in finance. Are you kidding me? Like, what was... What was that like, you know, being a cannabis consumer in such a, a stuffy industry? Well, you know, it's interesting. Like one, at one point, like early on in my career, like before I got on the investment side and I was a branch manager at a bank and I, um, like I said, just consuming cannabis would had always been part of my regular daily routine. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget there was this one day where my manager came in and she's like the area manager and she just happened to pop up in my branch like surprise and was here. And oh, she shit. was like, oh, she's like, you don't seem like yourself today. Like you're normally this and that. Believe it or not, it was the one day that I did not get high before coming to work. So, now seriously, in all honesty, so, <laughs> yes. so I mean that goes to show you, like you know, I, and I'll say that I'm a firm believer um, that I mean a lot of these stigmas that get attached to people that use cannabis about being not productive, um, all these things there. I mean, it's it's not it's not true. Bro. I think they're just using it wrong. So you were talking about the. Fine. You were talking about when your branch manager came in and they, what happened? <laughs> yeah, so, so I was saying it was, like I said, consuming cannabis had always been a part of my daily routine. And like I said, it was just one day that the area manager just happened to, you know, but when you're working with your branch manager, people that are like the regional manager, area manager, they just sometimes just surprise pop mm -hmm. up in the branch to see how it's going, you know, make sure everything's going smooth. And so one day she just happens to come in the branch and like we go in the office for the one on one. You seem like yourself today. And I was like, it was the it was the one day where I didn't get high before work. Oh my <laughs> god! That goes that goes to show you that um, <laughs> what I was saying was that you know in cannabis there's typically the stigma that you're not productive or ah yes you can't do what you need to do. But for me, you know that's what you know that's what that's what gives you the creativity, right? That's what allows yes. you to be able to you know, to be not experiencing anxiety or just be mm. calm and smooth and so many different things. So, yep. you know, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's always been a part of my routine. It was a part of my routine in college. It was, it, hell you know, yeah. always been. I love it. No, I love it. I, I mean, it's no surprise for y'all that know me, uh, for those that are just tuning in. Uh, I smoke weed every day, all day, every day, have been since high school. And, you know, I agree. I think that like the, those that are trepidatious to try cannabis and those that are insecure about how they will react in front of others or, you know, but even by themselves while like consuming the substance, like, first of all, 
that's not how you want to think about smoking weed. Like you get the perspective, you know, like I feel like, you know, to a certain extent, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like an ass, but I feel like y'all are just doing it wrong. Just a little bit. Like you don't have to go for, you know, the whole just giant, like, oh my God, let me just get as crazy high as I possibly can. Or those that are just trying to like, oh, well, you know, may just, uh, uh, let me smoke the fattest joint, you know, and that's what I'll, I'll smoke the whole thing. Like, know your limits. Like, it's just like, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's common sense stuff. And I feel like, you know, it, that stigma, it's just, it's, that's one of those things that's so frustrating. Cause it's like, I don't think I would be able to function. I mean, that's not true. I can function, but life would just be a little less bright, I think, without it, you know? I agree. Yeah. Um, well, so we've talked a lot about your work and as much as I love that our cannabis connection, let's throw that out the window because this is the, mm -hmm. we're, we're going to talk, we're going to, we're going to get into it. Um, how, how I like to start all of these shows is through asking core questions. Um, core questions are essentially the introspective questions. They are here to dig a little bit deeper to learn more about yourself and, and, you know, kind of, again, like I said, like make it like more introspective, um, peel back the layers of the onion, as I like to say. Uh, so number one, <laughs> you kind of already answered it, but where are you from? Um, I'm from Trenton, New Jersey, the capital city of New Jersey. And of course now I reside in Prince George's County, Maryland, Upper Marlboro to be specific. What was it like growing up in Trenton? Oh, man. So um, growing up in Trenton, for me, um, one of the interesting things I'll say, um, so like growing up in Trenton, I'll, I'll say is what, what I feel like really helped me to make me um, prepare for the world. So first, um, there's a saying about Trenton. We have it on a bridge. Um, if you ever ride through Trenton, going to New York, it says Trenton makes the world takes. Um, so a long time ago, Trenton was an industrial city. Um, both of my grandparents wow. actually migrated up from South Carolina up to Trenton back in, I'll say, well, my, I mean, a long time ago, right? <laughs> the early, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, see, you know, some, I mean, a long time ago. Um, my grandmother, actually, she had a third grade education. Um, and this, you know, I think a lot of what what makes me who I am, I think I learned from her. So wow. at, at a, like 12 years old, she she like literally hopped on the train with like I want to say I think she had like ten dollars and a sandwich in a brown paper bag, um and moved up to New Jersey like on her own. She had brothers and everything that were that had already moved up to like Philadelphia, okay. but she's like the matriarch of my family. And so with her, what she did and was able to do at that age, like you know she was working in a factory, um. You know, but I mean, she's really like one of the smartest people I know, even with that lack of education. So like my, my grandfather passed away when I was like one, so too much um, younger than much before I could really remember. But my grandmother, like she had, like she owned all this real estate, like she had like houses and stuff. Oh, everywhere. hell yeah. Like she had money and savings, but it's interesting. And one of the things that made me want to get into investing is because I'll never forget, like, when I was in high school, they would say, like, she had all this cash, like, saved up in the bank. And I would think, like, imagine if she had access to the information to know to, like, invest in stocks and bonds. Oh, wow. Um, but, like, growing up in Trenton, my, my mom, I have parents that are both um, very artistic. My mom owns a dance school. Um, she's had that for 30 years. My dad's a jazz singer. Um, he's, no way! He's, 
Yeah. <laughs> so cool. I love jazz. I love jazz, like truly. Word. So yeah, like all the like jazz greats in the world, like he, you know, he sang with them. Like I think he said he said it was James Moody. He was like singing with the day I was no born. Freak, no way. New York to like make it to the hospital, like all that type of stuff. No um, my dad is George Johnson. And like I said, if you look up my dad, George Johnson with jazz, you'll see everything will come up. Guess um, I'm gonna Google. There you go. Um, <laughs> I'm the oldest of three kids. Um, I have two younger brothers. Um, I'm the only one of my brothers that actually like left New Jersey. And so, like I said, I've been out here in DC going on 20 years now. Um, like I said, growing up in Trenton, man, it, it was interesting because I had a lot of different dynamics. Trenton itself was a very urban city. Um, I happen to live like in the suburbs of Trenton, I guess you could call it, but mm -hmm. like I said, in the suburbs, I'm really talking about like just one neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, I mean, Trenton, it, like statistically speaking, it's a, I guess you would say it's a, I guess a pretty rough place, but I had the opportunity. And one of the things that I thought when I talk about, I know I mentioned having a strong foundation was what made it so meaningful. So like um, me and my brothers were at a school called African People's Action School. Um, in the school, like all of our education was based in like African, um, like education. So like that's amazing. Everything we ever learned, right? Like right. Like I did at school, I didn't learn about George Washington, like all of those books. Wow. I was learning about like, um, like I was learning about Harriet, something like literally Black history every single day of the year. African history, African American history, Queen and Zinga, like shit like that. So like I had this embedded in me at a young age. Um, but then when I was in third grade, um, I, I actually, I tested into a school called Princeton Day School, which is a prep school. It's one of the top um, private schools in the entire country. Wow. Um, so I went there from third grade to sixth grade and I had a scholarship. And so it was interesting. That's when I really got to see like all the worlds because like I would go to Princeton, which is like one of the most affluent places in the country. Like we, we've all heard of Princeton University, right? Yeah. But I would come back home to Trenton. So that's when, you know, so it like, I, oh, I would, so that it's both worlds and that kind of gave me like a different confidence and understanding the people I'll say, um, like at an early age. So I would not think about that, that. I kind of think of that being like a, like a foundation in me because I was able to, um, like, hey, I could be, I could be like in the, I could be with people that made like millions of dollars, like as kids, their parents were rich and I could mm -hmm. come back to and still operate and be the same way. So yeah. Like a major part of it. yeah I think like what strikes me is like that when you and I first talked a few weeks back or I think maybe like a month ago um you know about like having you on the show you know like one of the things that we like that I really like just admired and like respected about you you know was like yeah you know, I, I can't remember how we got to this but you were basically talking about how oh it, I remember it was the racial the being able to navigate in like different circles within the cannabis industry right in terms of like you know um uh, uh, you know, kind of the rich white people within the cannabis industry and the businesses that were being, you know, funded and then being able to kind of bring that back like to the minority community within the cannabis industry and try to figure out like different avenues. But basically, I'm rambling. The point is, is that you said, no matter where I'm at, I always know like who I am and what I'm doing and I'm always going to rep myself. And like, I like, whenever I think about you, uh, like that comes like to mind that comes like to, to, 
uh, the front. Um, and that's like something that, you know, like I said, like we need, the world needs that confidence, that, that, that strength, that foundation, but it's not something that is easily or yeah, it's, it's not just easily granted or gifted unless you have the tools and resources around you to build that. And it sounds like from a very early age, you had that, which was amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think to the point that you made, it is confidence, right? Like I, like I said, for me, like growing up, like the perspective that I had, like as the young kid, like especially as a black person, right? When I thought about what black people are and like who I am and as my identity, I, like I, I was making comparisons to us being kings and queens. Hell yeah. And, rather than like the the narrative that a lot of us got to have to the point that so like by the time I went to like uh like I said this is elementary school third grade is one of my favorite stories that my parents always tell me <laughs> yeah. um, because they like called home we, like the teacher called home we were supposed to do this project in school and they told us that we had to make ourselves like out of like construction paper or whatever and I told the teacher I couldn't do the project because they didn't have brown paper. Like, <gasps> like all the other black kids in the class, and this is like no disrespect to anybody, they're like cutting out, making themselves like on the white paper or whatever color they found, and they were okay with that, right? Yeah. Like, like I, like I made the connection in my head early on. And I'm like, I'm then again, like not to like I'm not going to like create myself as a white person. I knew my image of who I was supposed to be. Yeah. Like at yeah. That so. Um, and, you know, in terms of confidence now, professionally, I've had the opportunity to, to do a lot of the things where, like, you know, I've, I've managed literally millions and millions of dollars. So, like, when people say certain numbers, like, I can like, I can ask somebody for a million dollars with a straight face and not feel weird doing it because I've done it a lot of times before. And so that's something that, like, people, whether you're a person <laughs> or Caucasian or whatever, you know, a lot of people just don't have the experience doing that. And then once you add, like, cannabis to it, it's just like different levels to it. And even here, um, in such a short amount of time, I've had the opportunity to do so many different things. I'm um, kind of operating in a lot of different spaces. And I'm always just trying to figure out how to improve myself. Like if, if somebody were to oh, ask yeah. me, you know, I feel like I haven't even really accomplished anything, even though I know I have, just because like when I'm looking down the road, I feel like I have so much longer, so much further to go. I love that. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's like, that's, that's drive, that's hustle, that's like just, perseverance that is you consistently looking forward and something that like on this show what I've like really enjoyed and like realizing you know because this is the 10th episode right but like something that's been like kind of uh, a common theme throughout each is that like every single person at some point in their life has had that moment of like this is all great but there is so much more that I want to do. And like, I, like, I, like, I live off of that energy. That is like, I, I, I thrive off of that because like that kind of forward thinking, that forward momentum, it's just, it's something, it's, it's a way of thinking that isn't really taught to you in like, you know, in a, in a specific way. And depending on like the resources that are available to you and like the communication skills that you learn early on, you know, especially the communication like skills that you have within yourself, you know, not just like how to talk to other people, but like how you think about yourself, how you talk to yourself, how you compare yourself or not compare, you know, whatever, you know, that is something that's like, that's so, it's something that in my, late 20s I'm really learning to appreciate in others and to continue to try and like 
in it, like enacted, like in my in my daily life, you know. Absolutely, yeah. You have you have to love yourself and have that positive energy. Like people yes. talk about putting it out into the world, but before you put it out into the world, you have to put it into yourself first. And so, I, and that's something that I will say I take a lot of um, that I that I focus on trying to practice a lot. Like all of those different books, like The Secret, The Hell yeah, um, yes. Power, Art of War, like the, like all of those type of things. Those are like some of my favorites, and I I really try to dig deep and like really and like I said, it can embed those types of things into like just my my being, if you will. Hell yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's jump into core question number two. Do 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 do. How would you describe yourself? How would I describe myself? I would say um. I would say I would describe myself. I'm I'm pretty laid back and chill. Um, I'll say I'm very driven uh, in terms of goals. I'm I'm probably like not satisfied. My my brain moves around a lot. Like I think about a lot yeah. of different stuff. I can I feel like I easily like pop like different ideas, but I have like a million of them a day, and there's yeah. things that I want to do. Um, but you know, I'll say thoughtful. Um, I really care about people. I really like to help people. Um, you know, that that's something that, and I don't just say it like, you know, like as a, like blanket, like just to try to sound like, I think it's something everybody would say if you ask about yourself, but to the point that even now today where I get like 20 LinkedIn requests from people like every day and they're at, like every person's asking me saying, hey, like you've done this, that. I try my best to actually respond to every single one of them. Um, like every single person that hits me up on social media on any platform, I try to just show that gratitude because like I could have been that person like, oh, no, I actually I was like, you know, I was thankful that I was able to achieve what I had. But like I said, I just try to be helpful to people um, like I'm one of those people. And I said, it probably sounds crazy, but in terms of like legacy, like I want to be one of those people. Like if, if I'm like going from here on the earth, I want to be remembered like a Nipsey hustle, like somebody that really yeah. act, like that was bigger, like something bigger than myself that I like leave behind. Absolutely. I believe you will a hundred percent, a hundred percent believe you will because like just even the foundation of gratitude, right. And you, and that as a concept, especially in like, society right now as it is it's such a it, it's it's a 50 50 chance whether someone has even said thank you that day or someone has even acknowledged the other people that have helped to get them from point a to point b i mean that like in and of itself is a challenge that i am grateful my parents like taught me very early, you know, to like be thankful and to understand that like you could be in different circumstances and like this could be, you know, completely, you know, we could be living completely different lives, you know, but the universe gave us the opportunity to be a family. So like appreciate that, acknowledge that, you know, and then you know, from there, like just expanding on that. And I, I really do appreciate that, that you said that. Um, because also too, I think that's like one of the things that like when I was like actually like, okay, so like who do I want to have on this show? Like da 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 da, you know, like even just from like watching you on the diversity report, like you can tell that that is like the the energy that you bring to the table. Um, and that's like really admirable. Yeah. Like I'll say the biggest rule that I live by is like just, I mean, treat people the way you want to be treated. Like I feel yeah. like that is like Hell yes. Yes. all learned in like kindergarten. <laughs> And it's like, if you continue to perpetuate that throughout life, like it takes you so far, like everybody's receiving, like when you put that love out, 
and start oh, yeah. you, you get it so you get it back so much in return from the universe oh yeah absolutely freaking are you kidding me like that's i it's i've yeah <laughs> i am always saying to myself like attitude of gratitude like you know i like to like make up little rhymes you know like for me and it's just like that is such a important part of my identity is that gratitude and is consistently acknowledging like when good shit is here acknowledge it and then figure out how you can spread it you know even if it's in just like holding the door open for somebody as they got their groceries in the hand in their hands and you know you can tell they're struggling or like you know leaving like a joint in the cigarette box for a homeless person to pick up you know like it's colorado so you know, like that's, it's just, it's so, it's these little simple things that I think, you know, to a certain extent to be able to like live your life this way, I think it is a privilege, you know, like in the sense that like you have the mental capacity to like move past and to, to understand like the importance of it. But I also think too, you know, especially as it relates to like the, like the uh, community of color, like depending on kind of where you're from, you know, specifically from like my experience, that's, it's kind of like, it's like, you have to like say thank you or you're going to get like smacked. Like you're or like, you have to be respectful. Like you have to, like, you have to like do these things or else like, you know, whatever, or not whatever, like you're like, the shit is going to go down, you know? And yeah, yeah, exactly. I grew up with a southern grandmother, so I'm still like, um, you know, still, like had to be, had to be like that, and like even to the point now, like I mean, like I'm a full blown adult, but like, like old people that are like my senior, I still call them like Miss, Mister, like as it feels absolutely. Like, you know, sometimes absolutely. Oh, yeah. And like going back to gratitude, like, you know, back to what I was saying, like, it's important to show that to yourself. And that's something that I always remind myself of and just being thankful, especially for some of the spaces that I've had the opportunity to be in. Oh, because yeah. a lot of places, statistically, you would say that I don't even belong there. Like, I did go to Howard, but I'm, I'm not a college graduate, right? Like, early, and that was one of the things early on in terms of being driven. Like, when I, like, when it, when I, when I rewind my mind back to 2005 and I saw, um, like my friends that were going on, cause like everybody from Howard goes on to do something great, right? They're going yeah. to be lawyers, doctors, and here I was still like, shit, like what the hell? <laughs> and me, like, I, I, I'll say that, like, I've always thought that I was like super smart, but I'm like, dang, these people are not smarter than me. Like, they're doing all of this. <laughs> but, I love it, I love it. But you know, like, but to, like really to be honest, but like I said, going back to that showing gratitude to yourself, like I said, just being thankful for the platform, right? Like having, having had the opportunity to be like a young black man that, that, that's been at these financial firms where like less than 1% of, of our people are in the industry in that type of position. Like I, I was so thankful for it. Even now what I've done in cannabis and the platform that I have, like I don't take it for granted. Every day I, I try to, like I literally try to wake up like, you know, and live it like it's my last day. Cause who knows, like the platform that I have could be gone, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like I'll be one of those people like a, like a Tupac when he's gone. <laughs> he's like, hey, he still got tracks. <laughs> oh, yes, dude, yes. <laughs> like I try to work that way and I try to be impactful like if I'm not here like I want somebody that is here or that moves oh, yeah. up something to be able to say like hey like this dude picked up the phone and helped me when I was like nobody like trying to figure out how I was getting in the same way like it, it doesn't have to be somebody that's cool or the people that we're reading about in the papers or like stuff like that and I mean those are my folks too 
and I and I support them the same way. Like it's never a hater. Like I'm, yeah. I'm not, like, bro, you're bigger than me. Like yeah you know, it's always about putting their love out to everybody it, it is exactly like it's just like you know it's like it's like the mutual respect of like you're gonna do you and i'm gonna do me but along the way we don't have to be enemies like we don't have to be have a contentious relationship no matter what it is if they're related unrelated whatever i feel like you know especially like within you know super competitive environments like the financial industry you know you look at any you know SaaS tech sales environment you know outside of cannabis really um, well i mean there's a lot of competition in cannabis but not nearly as much pressure right um you know you have that that culture of like we got to try and, you know, one up each other. Like you got to beat the other guy or like, you know, here, light a fire underneath your ass any way you need to, you know, this kind of like do or die mentality where it's just like, there's an easier way to do this y'all. Like you right. can literally stay true to yourself, give out a hand. And when you need a hand, there will be a hand. Like, and especially for us people of color that are like operating and moving in these spaces because it's, there's not a lot of us and we're not, we're really not each other's competition. And it actually, um, it like struck me that I didn't even realize it until like when I was doing my show, one of my, um, one of my friends, James Jackson, he's like a, he's like the global head of insurance now with a firm in the cannabis industry. And when he had me on the show, it struck me because he's like, Tahir's doing what he's done all the time. And like, I had forgot, like I had got him his first job in finance like 10 years ago. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. when I was at Morgan Stanley, like with like, I, so I was the first like young black person in my office. There was like two older black guys that had been at the firm for like a while, but like in the FA training program, I was literally like the first one they bought in. And wow. after that, every other young black person that would come through, like I would, I wouldn't look at them and be like, "Oh, competition is another black guy coming." Like I would go try to be like, "How can I help you out?" Like I'll partner. Oh yeah. I got this opportunity. Come on and do it. And just naturally, I, I did the same thing here. And like I say, it's just what I do, and I didn't even like. I guess it, it just never processed. Like I said, when he when he said that the way he did, it made me feel good and realized. Like I said, you know, like I said, I just always want to be. If being remembered for anything, I just want to be remembered for helping people. Oh my God, to hear that's so that that's so humble, man. That's so fucking humble, like that, and that's so like it, it's so beautiful, you know, because it really is like you truly like. I mean, you can see, you know, right now, y'all, you're gonna hear this as like a video record or as like a an audio recording, but like we're doing like face to face video, and like you see the earnestness on this man's face, like when he <laughs> says that he just wants to help people. Believe he just <laughs> wants to help the people and, and like it's, and it's been dope like this whole social equity scholarship program thing like that was the the biggest um the biggest one I mean especially since I've been in cannabis where I've got the opportunity to do it in a big way because like over the I'll say the whole first year that I was in NCI I was pretty intentional like every opportunity that I got, especially as I was traveling around to all these different states, I was trying to get it to meet all the people of color in the industry everywhere, whether it was in person or on the internet. Um, and I would talk to people about NCIA and it would be like, yeah, I love it. Like I know what it is, but I don't have a thousand, you know, lowest minimum membership is a thousand dollars per year. Um, so for, for people that are from our communities, we don't necessarily have it. And I don't yeah. Or easy access to it. Yeah, access to it. And and I and I had the insight because so 
before I started working at NCIA, I started working there in July of 2019. And I had actually had applied and I won one of the scholarships to go to the Cannabis Business Summit, which is NCIA's conference. Yeah. Um, and before I started, I was like, I was trying to figure out like, man, how am I going to get to this conference? Cause it like, you know, got to pay for California. Like I had already spent all my money, like applying for the license here in Maryland. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. So it was like, how the heck am I going to get there? So thankfully I ended up starting working here. So I've always had the perspective of like, you know, there are good people that deserve the opportunity. Um, and then once I had the opportunity to do the social equity scholarship program and, and give people complimentary memberships, um, it made, I, I was surprised how fast the interest picked up. Like we got to like a hundred folks. I mean, we have over a hundred folks, but we literally hit that number, like almost immediately. Like, no so way. So like when I was talking, you know, there's a lot of people that do social equity programs around the industry and they say, Hey, we're doing this. And so like, when I would talk to people, they'd be like, yeah, how many people you have in the program? And I'd be like, uh, like a hundred. They'd be like, what? <laughs> so it was like, it was really that I'll say that's when I found out that like how important um, what I was doing was, but also, like I said, it's just been so great to like interact and build that um, community within NCIA because there's so much ex there's so much great information, resources, and people. And not only do they get access to that, but also to be a resource to each other because now, yeah. like you have places like California or Colorado that have more developed markets that have been around forever. Um, but you also have people that are in like Massachusetts or Illinois that are just getting started and you get to kind of put the brain trust together. Yeah. So I love that. I love how you, I love how you put that. You're very articulate. Like, uh, like I love like the, the ways that you, I love language and I love words and I love listening to people describe like concepts because I like for me, you know, I like learn, you know, different ways. And I love how you put that as like a brain trust because it really is like a foundation built on trust of like the most intelligent minds to come together to create something fantastic that helps the collective, not just the individual. Right. And I love every opportunity that I get to show that it exists in our community, especially because typically like to make another example and go back to finance, you have like just weeks ago where the CEO of Wells Fargo was saying that they can't find qualified people of color, right? Talent in those communities. But that's, that's bullshit. That's and bullshit. The same thing like in cannabis too, right? So it's like if I put together a panel of like all women of color that are regulators, that, that's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you're saying- You're, you're just not looking, you're just not looking in the right, you're just not, it's not even that, you're not putting the effort into finding out where the right places are to look right. for people of color to, uh, from a talent perspective. And two, you're not putting, you're not creating, intentionally not creating an environment that's conducive to the happiness of people of color because happiness is key to right. good employees, productive employees. You know, and number three, the requirements in some of these situations like are absolutely not unattainable, but the requirement for schooling or in some cases or the requirements for um, felonies or, or, you know, not like not giving like considerations or like, you know, leniency when they should. Whereas like, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot, you know, I came, I come from a hiring background, I come from a recruiting background, you, you see some shit, and you see some shady shit, and you, like, 
it really is a bunch of BS. It, re it really is. Like how for some of these companies to come out and say that they can't find this talent or they can't do it. I know, you know, some actually prioritize not doing it or only open it out for lower level positions, like hourly packaging positions. And it's like, that's so fucking, that's such fucking bullshit. It's right. such bullshit. And, and you know that, and again, that, that goes to show the importance of like diversity and inclusion, because like, even if you're not, even, even if you don't have an intentional bias, right? Like naturally people are going to go to the people within their, within their circles, their community. If I, if I just happen to be an old white guy, not anything against old white guys, and all I know are old white guys, um, <laughs> that's what I'm going to hire, right? And, you know, from a, you know, yes, that's, you know, that's what I'll say, like, if, if, if that's all you know, so it's important for us to expand these circles to interact with each other, because we all have something valuable to add to the conversation. Personally, I would argue that all white guys have something valuable to bring to the conversation as well, but it just shouldn't be the only point of view, right? Like 100%. Having, having that um, that diversity in thought, that diversity in experiences, like just even and even amongst people, just different life experiences, different backgrounds, it all it all just creates such a um, just such a better situation. Yeah, I yeah I and it's like it's like um it goes back to like the concept of like community, you know, like community, it can, it's like very objective because people can choose like who they want, you know, in their circle and they can, you know, choose to only to be exclusive here or to be inclusive here. But ultimately like I, what I've just witnessed in, you know, my 28 years of life is that like the more ways you can find connection to other groups within your community the better off everyone is going to be and also the parties are fire so nice. much <laughs> fun because you have all everybody from you know different walks of life and they all come together and it really does just bring like such a it can bring a really refreshing unique voice to a bunch of awesome different perspectives and like that like i'm here for that that is that's my jam like that i love that i love being i like I, I yeah i love that um <laughs> you mentioned earlier like in the show that your grandmother was like a huge influence in you know your life um and i'm just kind of wondering like how did she influence your mm -hmm. life and like, what was, you know, some of like your, what are some of like your, you know, biggest kind of like impacts or like what, 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 what do you attribute most to her influence? Yeah, I would say like just hard work, right? Like to be able to, like to, to be able to do what she did with a third grade education, to be like the, the matriarch of our family, um, being sacrificing, right? Like she, she wasn't too proud for anything. Like when it was time for me to go to college, actually, man, it's it's crazy. This is probably like, and I'm, I feel like I'm getting like the water up a little bit. Just saying, uh, but, um, like when I was going to college, like I like the day before I was about to leave for Howard, I did not have the money to go to school. Um, she got introduced to, um, we got introduced to a lady who was from our church. Come to find out, like this is like a older white lady, like her, her. Um, her husband was like one of the founders of like Merrill Lynch or something like that. <laughs> Whoa. And your grandmother just met her at church. Uh, some, somebody connected them to each other. Like somebody from our church connected her, like told her like, okay. 
trying to go to college, like all this type of stuff. And my grandmother actually, like the, the lady ended up giving me the money. It's like Dave's poor, I'm supposed to leave the college. But in return, like my grandmother actually, like as an older, who's like retired, she like went to go like clean this lady's house. Like, and she did that for like years, like kind of like a, um, I, I want to say, I want to say like a maid or whatever, but she actually did that to, yeah. like, for me to like go to college. You know what I mean? So it's like, she wasn't like, she was not too proud, like for anything, Holy you know shit. what I mean? Be able to, like, just like help. And then like praying, like, you know, like she, she was like, she prays like so hard, like, you know, it make you feel like you're protected. Um, and like just the importance of like that, I think that's where the, the thankfulness comes from. Like, of course she would say like being thankful to God, um, you know, I'll say for me, like I'll say that's, that's important also, but like just being thankful, just being thankful in general. How does that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, I mean, heck, you, you know, sacrifices, right? Like you gotta, like your family is, um, you're like being, just being able to, again, like, like again like leave a legacy right like yeah. and when i say like properties right like she she owned literally like the business that my mom had like growing up she had a dance school for like 30 years she owned that building there were two apartments on that like she had she owned like she owned she i know at one point she owned like i said a bunch of real estate probably like 10 properties something like that but i'll say also the other thing oh that hell I, yeah um, and this goes going back to what made me want to get into finance. So like my mom was an only child. Um, and like my grandmother actually, um, like all this stuff that she had amassed to make sure that she could help her out. Like she damn near like liquidated, like everything, like to, you know, make sure the kids were good. So I'll say what I did learn was like the importance of, um, like in that situation, like, you know, again, just like she, she was willing to do anything for her family. Um, going back to going back to that same memory, though, I'll say that I also learned the importance of like financial management and all mm. those different things, not not um, not living above your means, um, just because some of the things that I've witnessed, like, you know, in my own personal. Mm, yeah, I mean, and that's like those are life lessons that. I think to a certain extent should be taught at a much earlier age in the public school and, and within like public schools and within like private Catholic schools, you know, that's like the, the education, you know, that we had had, but like, there were so many times where, you know, like growing up and like growing up, like being 18 out on your own, like I thought to myself, man, I wish I had learned like this, <laughs> you know, somewhere or like how no one, no one tells you like how to do your taxes or if you're going to be, you know, an independent like property owner, you know, how to properly do that. Right. Or even to like how to even find or evaluate the right service people or like the, the right, um, you know, resources, like an agent, you know, I'm thinking like an insurance agent or something, you know, someone that's supposed to help you, but you know, especially back then, people were getting conned left and right, like all the time, simply because no one teaches you how to expand beyond like the bubble that you're currently in. You have to like do that for yourself and that kind of like, um, I want to say like bullheaded, but I don't think that's the term that I want to use, but that kind of like steadfastness, right, that you have to just kind of achieve and achieve and achieve your goals. Like 
sometimes, you know, without the, the right information or the right resources, while you're achieving, you could also like equally be losing. And that's something that I think just happens like more often than not, um, you know, within our communities. And that's not cool. Like, it, you know, it, it, it's cool that you get to that point, but like, we got to figure like the, the challenge that I think like our generations are faced with right now is like, not only do we get there, how are we maintaining it? And then how are we building and scaling that? to a point where we can create this generational wealth, not just for myself, but also have that for my children and have that for my children's children. And, you know, I, I feel like cannabis, there's an opportunity within like that industry to do it. But I also think that there's an opportunity to do it right now, like with e-commerce businesses um, and like really being able to, to monetize the internet um, and teaching people like how to do that, you know? Cause it's not hard. It's not fucking no, it's not hard. hard at all. Like, like my, I, I listen to, um, like a, get a lot of Gary V. Um, yeah. Listen to his, um, like, oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> That's my thing. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love grandmas. Like grandmas are, I, I was, you know, saying we paused the recording, um, for a little bit, but I was saying, you know, that grandmother, a grandmother's love, if you, have the privilege to know and to love that and to understand that and to have that in your life. Like I firmly believe that there is no other love than a grandmother's love. And it's so wonderful that your grandmother actually like did that for you. Like, so, you know, and well, again, like how did that like make you like, how did that make you feel? Like, that's just like such a, that's such a, that's such a heavy, like, it can be, I, I, I'll rephrase. Yeah. It no, can yeah. be like a heavy thing to carry with you, you know? Yeah, and it makes me feel like I, like I owe, I feel like I owe it to a lot of people to be successful because, man, they, they've worked too hard. They've, like, invested in me. Like, I've, like, I've been, like, a lot of people's, like, hope. Like, you know, like, yeah. coming, coming out of the city, like, I mean, I have so many friends that I go back with that, like, you know, that I grew up with that are, like, I mean, they're still in the hood, right? Like some of them, like no jobs, like friends that that are that have been in jail, like all types of things. And like I was like one of the few people that they actually knew that like I actually left and went to college and got the chance and like come back and you know stuff like that. So like I said, it's 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 important, you know. It is to me. It is like you know people from our communities. They we got to see people like us that that made it. And that's also why I like telling the stories because people hopefully. The same thing like that I saw and hope like somebody else will see in me or like you or like some of these other stories that we're telling out here. Yeah. Um, you know, the people can see it in themselves and be inspired to do something also. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and even too with like that anecdote that you were sharing about, you know, they're like, Oh, why don't you go by Thai? Like, no, my name is Tahir. Like when when did like, did, have you ever felt like challenged in, not like, but like self, like internally challenged or like kind of, you know, torn between like, should I, uh, you know, do this like they, you know, are asking me to, or like, should I, you know, continue on like my own path? Like, did you ever have like the, those moments working in corporate America? Yeah, you know, um, it's, it's interesting. Um, one of the, like, I'll say, not not necessarily where like not like an identity thing like that but i'll say identity and when i was trying to figure out like what i'm really meant to do mm. um especially because a lot for me 
um, when you're in finance, um, I remember one conversation that I had with a manager and he said, our job is wealth management, not wealth creation. Um, and by that, oh. what that meant was like, you know, my, like any, any client that I dealt with, like when I was in finance, they had to have at least $100,000 to invest, right? Mm -hmm. So when you think about people from our communities, they don't always have that. So like I've, I always had clients and was getting it, but I also spent a good amount of time like you know investing in people that could never be my clients they didn't have enough money yeah um, and so like that is what brought me back to cannabis because as much as like i was making a good living um being able to help rich people get richer just i mean yeah. it just wasn't that it just wasn't like it just it was but it you know it, it didn't give me the same passion it um, served its I, purpose this and being meaningful right so yeah. Like here I was, like I, I just quit quit the job that I had making good money to go be a bartender and make fifteen dollars an hour. Um, but it paid off because like I I felt so much like I felt so free. I wasn't stressed. Yeah. I felt like I was like working towards my purpose and yeah. Um, and thankfully it's been working out well so far. So far so good. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you made like such an impact, you know, in this industry. And this is, you know, literally like you're going in, like you're in your second year right now, you know, working within this space and you've already founded a company. You've done the, the grassroots of getting involved, like at the bud tender level, which is, you know, that's like that, that. I feel like that's kind of like a, that's like, you have to get that badge before, you know, you go and like work with like some of these companies, you know, because it is like such a, um, like a rite of passage, you know, um, you know, and now you're, you're raising two beautiful daughters and you have, you know, a wonderful wife and you have this kind of, um, family, not kind of, but you have a family that you're providing for. So like, how have you been able to take like all that you've learned from these different like industries and uh, positions that you've had and responsibilities uh, that you've had, um, how are you able to channel that into your family and and growing that as well yeah so my with my daughters i definitely try to start out early with them with the education um so like college um savings accounts like 529s i've opened those since they were born but especially my six-year-old now that she's starting to become curious i've been teaching her a lot about investing um like she has her own investment account and in the beginning of covid i helped her like pick what she wanted so she bought disney stock yeah, man. I'm also teaching her to be an entrepreneur. So, like, she opened up her lemonade stand um, in the summer. All the money that she made from that, she actually went and bought stock with it. Um, so she's Are you kidding me? So she might be, like, the youngest kid trading right now or what? Like yeah, she, she, she definitely knows how, to, she knows how to earn her own money. She knows how to buy stock. And she, she wants to, like, have her – she wants to have her own businesses, too, to the point where, like, she gets jealous of me. Like, anytime where, like, somebody's – like, I'm doing an interview like this, she's like, how come nobody's interviewing me? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, she like, can come I, on the show if she wants to. Absolutely. Like, like, my boy um, – and shout out – I want to shout out my boy, Shayun, um, a data G. He talked to her on the phone for, like, a good, like, 15, 20 minutes last week inspiring her about, like, starting a business because – I mean, he, he and I talk on the phone all the time, but like when we first talked a couple, um, like a while ago, the first time she overheard one of our conversations since I've been at home doing everything, 
I told her, I was like, he's the youngest black man to own a dispensary in the country. And she was like, are there any kids that own any dispensaries? And are you like, kidding me? <laughs> I'm going to be the first kid to own a dispensary. So it's like, she's already setting high goals. Hell yeah. She knows about cannabis. And like I said, she's, she's a, she's a young entrepreneur. I think she's going to be a, she's going to be a beast because oh like, my God. she's like super smart. Like she reads well, like she's already reading Harry Potter books and she's six. Yes. Like, Yes, yes, yes. Great job, dad. Great job, dad and mom. Wow. Oh my God. That's, I, that's, I love, love, love that you are teaching her about stocks because that's something that like, I, I did, it took me until I was like 26 years old to actually start learning and educating myself on like the importance of stocks and like, you know, how to differentiate, you know, between ones that are like worth investing and you going through that process. But again, like I said earlier on the show, there have been moments in my life where I'm like, why didn't school teach me this? Like why have, you know, and why, or, or if they were going to teach it to us, why was it so unobtainable, you know, in terms of it was either a, an elective or an extra class that you tack on to an already expensive college tuition, like, uh. Um, now going back to your two daughters, you, she's six and the other one is? Two, yep, Ava is six and, and Ari is two after my favorite Game of Thrones character. Ari, oh my <laughs> God, oh, you nerd, I love it. Um, and so with your, with raising two daughters, like how has that been like from a like male perspective? Like what what is that, what is that like to raise daughters? You've never been a woman, so like, how what yeah. is this like well i love it because daughters are so loving especially because like i grew up in the house i had two younger brothers so it was all boys so this is like you know just this energy this... i've never quite had it's yeah like, for me um but they're they're so loving and smart um and you know as women i want to make sure that i that i teach them you know it's not just a you know i don't I don't want to teach them any of this like stereotypical stuff that like, you know, that, that like the man stuff, right? I don't want them mm -hmm. to be like under, under patriarchal ideas. Like yeah, fuck that. my daughter says like, I want her to be nice and kind, but sometimes when I hear her saying sorry too much, I'll tell her don't apologize. Like even if it's <laughs> like, you know, like I seriously do, I'll be like, no, nah, yeah. sorry. Like, you know, stuff like just That's stuff like that. That's such a bad habit. Yeah, you know, I want I want them to be strong. I want them to be like intelligent and kind. And like I said, hopefully, like I said, all these big things about um, be, just being a good person, um, they will absorb. Um, but I really love the fact that they're getting to, um, especially now, like experience and see so much. Like the pe the people that like even like just talking cannabis, right? Like the people that they've been like on the Zoom with, it's like it's amazing. Like they've met all types of industry CEOs and <laughs> been on yeah. calls. My <gasps> daughter was on a call with me today talking about trying to plan um plan an interstate commerce like white paper for the cannabis industry. <laughs> <laughs> She's like learning about stuff like that at six. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. I mean that that's like gold. That's like dad goals right there. Hashtag dad goals for sure because like that's I mean especially under this administration and the the future of you know and, and Ruth Gator Bader Ginsburg passing you know there are women are in a position where we could see some really terrible changes and 
I'm going to quote one of my favorite uh, icons, um, Eva Longoria. She said that the best advice that she ever got was to walk into uh, walk into the casting call like you are an old privileged white man and to a certain extent like what you're exposing your daughters to at this time at this time is something that years and years ago was only reserved for that sector of the world right and to Give them the opportunity, your daughters the opportunity to not only learn this really cool stuff, but also to reinforce the message that like, no matter what you do, do it well and do it true and do it to, uh, to you. Like that, that is like, I hope if and when, we'll see. Sorry, mom. Um, and when I ever have children, you know, that I absolutely want, you know, a partner that see, and we raise daughters, like that is like the perspective that you have to, you have to drill in because that's something that, you know, as a woman, I've had to learn over the years through life experience. And not that, you know, there was anything bad or anything at all. Like I had a very wonderful childhood. I love my father. I love my mother. Like they're fantastic people. But, you know, they're Mexicans. They come from a very patriarchal perspective. And it is a very, you know, when you come into this, um, this world and, and the professional world too, with that kind of like mentality, it can be a total like, what? Like, whoa, I gotta, you know, you gotta pivot quick and you have to re, you gotta reprogram pretty quickly in order to really succeed in this industry and have that perspective that Eva Longoria uh, right. mentioned, but yeah. yeah. But no, but I love, I love that perspective because I think that I have the same one. Like, I don't think that there's not a room that I walk into where I think like, I, if I go in and size everybody up, like again, like even going back to the statement that I made, I was the guy that, that dropped out of college that was looking at all this <laughs> graduated to go do good and be like, you're not smarter than me. And I still yeah. feel this way now. So it's like, you know, again, like when I look at, I don't think, I think if you have the feeling like when, like I said, if you know yourself and you're like, you know, it's like I said, when you, you don't, um, again, like I said, when you look around and you, you, you're confident in yourself and you know that like, I'm the baddest person in the room oh, yeah. like, and you just embody that and you believe it, like you really will be. Hell yeah. Believe and you will achieve, man. Believe yeah. and you will achieve. That's like. Ah, oh, that's another one of my rhyming things that I like to say. Um, earlier in the show, you mentioned that, um, you know, you came from a religious background or that you had, you know, religion growing up. I'm curious to see, like, how those beliefs or how, you know, religion has kind of played a role in the beliefs that you have and that you've kind of learned and evolved into over the years. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in the um, AME church that's African Methodist Episcopal, um, one of the most, um, one of the largest, I guess, black denomina denominations, the black church. Um, and I think for me, um, so like in my older years also, um, I've been a Freemason now for six years. Um, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I'll say like to, to shed some light on that, like Freemasonry in itself isn't a religion, but one of the things that I've learned through it is like an appreciation for like all religions in general. 
um, because you have people like whether you're um, Christian or you're Muslim or you're Jewish or Buddhist or like all different types of religions, you can all sit in the same lodge and you talk about God within that same room. Like, you know, when you talk about God, but you have all these different people that believe in different gods. So I'll say like the understanding for me, although like I said, I was raised under, I'll say like a Christian foundation. Like just that believer that God is like the grand architect, if you will. Uh -huh. And I, I have respect for so many different religions just because like who's the, you know, I'll say that I more so believe in all of them essentially are the same principles, right? Like it's, yeah. it, it's a, uh, it's it's going back to what we've been talking about. It's that energy. It's that it's the the right and wrong, the good and good and evil, like, like the, the yin and the yang. Right, the yin and the yang. But they may call it a different name. They may, yeah. you know, it may be a different book. But I think as long as you are, um, like I said, having that energy of like positivity in the world, um, it's important. I think that's part of what the world's missing today. Um, like, you know, having like principles and, and guidance and like, what do you, like, what do you stand for? Right. Like what the, like as a person, like not necessarily yeah. saying like, any of these views are right or wrong, but like, what, what are your, what are your stand? Like, what are your, like, you know, what are you like made up as a person? Like, yeah. Yeah. Everybody has to have some type of code, um, whether it is like a religion or just an ideology or something mm -hmm. i just believe everybody has to be based on something and so what are your standards what is your code what is your ideology oh yeah so like yeah like i said my ide my ideology um i'm i'm still a still a member of the of the church um i haven't been going as much as i as like uh you know in the past couple years but when I was going, when I was, for me, one thing that was important when I was starting my family, like, and I knew I was going to have kids. Like, so I, I, I grew up in church for a long time and pretty much like the whole time I was in college and like everything like that, I really didn't go. But then once I, once I was getting ready to have my daughter, then I knew that it was important for me to have, for her to have that same foundation that I, that I grew up with, um, to know God and um, know how important it is and to be thankful um, so that was when I got back into church. Um, and then I'll say like, I really didn't stop going regularly until I got in the cannabis industry because like during that time when I first started, I was, um, I was working seven days a week. And so that's what like threw me off. Like I was, I was working at the bank Monday through Friday, and then I was working at the dispensary Saturday and Sunday. Um, and so and I you did, had a one-year-old too at the time, or she was under one. Yeah. Yeah. So like she was I had an infant. A, yeah, so like yeah, I was working seven days a week like at that time, and then like when I left the dis like I stopped working in finance and I was just working at the dispensary. And of course, since I was making less money, I had to work more then. So like I was working all the time, and then I started working at NCIA, and like I was traveling like I you know all the time. So, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So here, so it was. It's really been like at first I was like regularly like in church, but it's only, it's been like the past, like two years, like I said, since I've been like, well, yeah, two years and some change now since I've been like around the industry where I really haven't had the opportunity to go as much, but, but it's still something important to me. Like I said, I, um, I listen to verses all the time. I like, I just read a Joel Osteen book and it was, um, it was actually interesting because I've never been one for like the um, I would say like, I don't know if like mega church or like the prosperity, yeah. like the messages that he has, that he has, like, 
giving it a chance and listening to it was actually good. It's a lot of inspiring, um, you know, like good, like good knowledge. And even with him, it wasn't the the way the book that I read, it, it really wasn't, um, you could tell he's a Christian pastor, but it, even if you weren't necessarily like, I feel like it's something that anybody could absorb regardless yeah. of what religion was. Well, and I feel like too, with religion, it's very much, well, when specifically looking at, you know, like um, scriptures, looking at the Bible, looking at, you know, the Quran, you know, the stories that they share are very much like just different perspectives of like different people. And it's like what you were saying too, like what you enjoyed about, you know, the Freemason or like what you learned about, you know, being in free, being a Freemason, you know, is that you have that perspective. And it's just like, when you take out the judgment of like religion or uh, of the the messages, whether it's from the one that's sharing it or sharing the religion with you or just what you have against religion, like it really can actually be like an uplifting or a educational introspective tool you know, or it's, it, it, it's not, you know, and it's not like take everything verbatim or like whatever, or, you know, to, and it is like perceive it how you want, but at the end of the day, like, you know, if you're going to approach this, like with a, a lens of negativity, you know, you're only going to see the bad in it. Whereas yes. if you, you know, I, I, yeah. I'm like refinding my, well, I said this on an earlier podcast um, with my friend Ashton, uh, and I don't know if we published it online, so sorry if y'all are listening and you haven't heard it yet, but um, he and I were talking about religion because he is very much like rooted in like that is a, a big foundation for him, you know, and it's something that like for myself, like I kind of strayed away from it, you know, at a very young age, I think I was like maybe eight or nine and I claimed agnosticism I was like I don't know what the fuck to think about this stuff so I'm agnostic like leave me out of the conversation basically you know and that's kind of how it's been up until I would say like 26 27 you know where I really started like having like a um a deeper like like that like kind of like need to connect to something you know more structured than just my concept of like oh yeah the universe is great like you're always going different things like be grateful all these things but yeah um that's interesting so like with religion and cannabis specifically like do you have friends or like people within the industry that you're able to connect with about god to at least try and like fulfill that need or um has it been something that you don't really talk about um, you know what, with, with my close friends, it, we actually, um, do talk about it. Like I'll say like, again, like my boy, um, Shayun, man, like we talk about like everything, like with him opening up the dispensary, um, last week. And that's one of the reasons I love him. Like he just talked about like how blessed he is and like, you know, still being humble. Um, you know, but I'll say, I, I don't get like, like I'll say I've never been like, I don't get like overly like religious but like I'm not like Kanye yeah (laughs) like at the same time like like again it just all comes back to like I think that we that I would say that personally for me I I think that if anything I believe that there's something higher than ourselves right like Mm. I don't necessarily know what to call it but like there's been too many situations where 
it's like, you know, you just see that, that things are just like being put together yeah. in a certain type of way. Even mm-hmm. even what, what's happened here, um, you know, like I said, I, I just very much believe that there's some there's something greater than us that that's mm-hmm. like, you know, controlling the world. We're not oh, controlling yeah. it, but I mean not controlling it because that also at the same time, I think that we also have our very much have our own free will. Yep. Um, you know, like you have to um, God can only take you, but so far, and then you have to like do the rest, right. And help your, help yourself too. Like, I don't, you know, I don't think that you, I don't, I'm not one of those people that just thinks like, Oh, I'm just going to pray for this and it's going to happen. Like, I think with that prayer comes hard work. It comes, um, like creating it. And, and also again, like yourself too, right. Like you have to look inside also to be able to get what you want as well. If you're, if you're waiting for God to, like, uh, again, I don't believe in waiting for Superman in any aspect of the world. <laughs> I'm not waiting for, like, some gifts to come down from... from yeah, the- you got to work hard. You got to work hard for it. You got to work hard for it. And you got to work smart, too. Like, it's not just about, like, okay, if I just do all of this, you know, and keep on doing this, something's going to break. Like, no, like, what else can you do to expand that and to expand like your your perspective and i i feel like that you know especially too with like when you're looking at you know your entrance into the cannabis industry and then even going back like you know to being in those you know kind of two uh education and envi- educational environments right you know where like you have to kind of figure out how to navigate like that is just it's such a um I think it's like a, a really powerful like evaluation tool that you learn like early on that you like once you master that at whatever point in your life like that does make it you know a little bit um a little bit easier to be more uh discerning and to also to like understand what type of work you got to do in order to get to where you want to be mm-hmm. yeah uh so I mean we've I mean we've talked I love I I love it to hear you've been like just so like I thank you man thank you so much this has been such a fantastic conversation and such a, a really great way to I think like close out this ten episode series and like hell yeah dude but I mean we got we so we still got more questions y'all so don't don't freak out but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're not done. You know what? When you were saying single plant mom, I was going to ask, "Where's your plant?" But I see it in the back. Oh yeah, they're they're all hanging. <laughs> we got a whole bunch. I just moved into uh, those. Some of if you've been tuning in, the, some of the listeners know that I've been. Um, I moved to get my sister from Chicago. She moved here into Denver with me, and we moved into a two bedroom apartment. And I had enough plants in my one bedroom apartment to fill the entire apartment Hmm. I don't know if I'm like I mean I'm super jazzed that I had that many plants and kept them all alive first of all (laughs) (laughs) you know but second of all I was also like oh maybe I might I I might uh, not need to get any new plants uh, anytime soon because there's a lot of them Um, but enough about me who cares let's let's jump into core question number three what's it here what right. is your favorite part about yourself and why? My favorite part about myself. Um, I would say I think my favorite part about myself, if I had to, man, it's hard to, I, I would say probably my optimism. Mm. Um, 
because I would say that it is, um, it's probably, it's, it's hard to, now I'll say that I have like times where like I, I need like the little pick me up, but I tend to always like, I'm, I tend to always be like a glass half full type of person. So yeah. I think seeing the world that way um, allows me to, um, I don't know, just be hopeful, just be able to go on and do stuff. If oh, I yeah. was the second one that I was trying to think of is like a close second is I I like to think that I'm super logical. Um, so okay. it's like I don't like I, I I say that I think I I pretty much think things through like steps ahead and mm. like kind of see like the um like the outcomes if you will. Yeah. So tell when did you start thinking about that? Like when did when did you become aware of that capability mm. or that power? I, I think always, to be honest with you, like I, as as long as I can remember, like people have always said, like the the logical part. People have always said that I've asked a lot of questions. Like I've always been very um, um, curious about the world, and I I'll say that I like I process information. So like everything, like all of this different input that's coming in, like I, I'm always getting it, processing it, thinking like, what does it mean? Like where does it like where does it go? Nothing, even as a like as a as a young person, like as a kid, I probably had like um I don't know, just like goal like again, like going back to like the optimism and logic where they go together, where it's like I don't think that that there's not anything I can't do and I'll figure out the steps to get there. So like yeah. optimism, like I, I believe that I could get in the cannabis industry despite people saying it's impossible. Yeah. Like said, I I literally like analyzed it, like looked at the cannabis industry like an equation saying like if I do this, 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 like I should be able to like get in here and it worked. Um, not to say that in like a negative, <laughs> way, but like, yeah. I, like I literally did. I feel like even before like I was actually here, like I, I cracked the code of what it, you know what I mean? Like cracked the yeah. code to get in. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that's like, it's, it's like, um, I don't know. I, I feel like it kind of goes back to like the concept of like that, um, you know, like generational wealth. Like there's always like that one person that like cracks the code first and then like they teach that to, you know, their younger generations and then right. they teach that to like their younger generations and like that, it, that formula. A lot of work and research. Yeah. Like, I was like, I was literally like watching like everybody in the cannabis industry. Like what are, like, what are people doing? Not just people that look like me, but like, what are, what are the companies? What are the issues? Like, what are the problems? Um, you know, people that, that have achieved success, what did they do? How did they get there? What types of resources are there? What types of organizations? Um, you know, all those types of things have an understanding of that. And like I said, like I was working a full-time job, working seven, literally seven days a week, but every, I was so, um, so passionate about trying to get this information that I would be coming home, standing up to like three o'clock in the morning, like every day trying to like learn. And so like when you hear people like Gary Vee, like when, by the time I heard him and was exposed to him saying like, oh, if you want to switch careers or you want to start a business, like work all day and then like the time when you're off, like be working too. It was something that I was just doing intuitively, like not even knowing that this is like a formula that people like say. So like I had been, I was so all in, um, you know, like I said, just trying to learn and get gather all this information that, um, like I said, it just almost came, it almost came naturally. Yeah. And what was it, what was that conversation like with your wife at that time? Like how, how did you guys navigate that? 
that insane that that work ethic that it takes to that insane work ethic it takes to get to to the point that you're at um well well that part is is actually interesting because like so during that time um we were like living in two separate places also like in two separate houses so um i was thankful that um like you know me having the time that i that i did like there were a lot of days where i would come home the kids weren't here they were with her her house um and like even like that's like i said that work ethic of like the time that i was gone or like switching jobs um she held it you know she held it down to be able to make sure the kids still tuition paid still have all these things right yeah. like I lost income so it's definitely i'm definitely thankful because i would not have been able to like do all of this because if it would have been like nah you need this job whatever um yeah to be honest like i like i i I didn't really like ask like i kind of just was passionate and knew that this is what i wanted to do (laughs) yeah but but forgiveness later i'm I'm thankful that that like i said without her um you know because she has a very good career as well like if, if she wasn't able to maintain like everything that i was not no you know no longer doing or doing yeah um it, it wouldn't have worked out so i'm thankful oh yeah absolutely i mean that's partnership that is like true mm-hmm. partnership right there uh and i think that's you know when you think about like the concept of like you know partnership now or like relationships now especially as they are you know between like a husband and a wife you know there is I think this like um romanticized idea of like oh yeah you know we can all just you know be together like we'll have kids and we'll live happily happily ever after and it's totally and we'll post about each other on Instagram but like internally like I hate my job you hate your job but no one wants to take the leap or you know whatever the case is whatever the bicker is in that moment you know and like when you actually think about it like when you are committed to someone and you share children with that person, like you are locked together for like quite some time. And within that, like there has to be that balance and it can't just be, you know, like one person consistently all the time for like 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's when someone has to go and try and, you know, figure this out, the other person has, is ready and can, is prepared and you have talked about it, you know that they can take that responsibility in that moment. And then from there, like, just be able to reciprocate that whenever that person needs it. Like that, like, like the, um, what is it not? I want to say like the concept of like reciprocity kind of, um, you know, like, and that's something that I think is like oftentimes forgotten, um, especially in like relationships with people within like our age groups, you know, I feel like everyone, it's so, it's so fickle. It's so, um, flashy when it really, what it was, what's important is that, that balance. Right. Yeah. And then that's where I'll say, like going back to, um, like the way I was raised, I'm, I'm thankful that like you know, that a lot of, um, especially like young black men didn't have the opportunity to grow up in like a two parent household, all those types of things. For me, um, regardless of what I'm doing, like it, it, for me to have my kids get to like, you know, get to experience that is, is something that's always important to me. So like I said, I'm, I'm thankful that, um, you know, that they're still able to, you know, that I, that I was able to like navigate and do things the way that I did. And then I, just being honest, I'm also thankful, like, the, when, when COVID happened and the world had to slow down a little bit, 
I was actually thankful for that so much because it now bought me the ability to like be back home and actually be spending time around my kids because I was like a super present father. And so it's like, I went there from like being always around to like being gone um, and that's impactful. Um, you know, and so like now we're like all like all together again. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, it's 2020, I think has been a roller coaster of a year. I think that also might be like the most cliche phrase of 2020, but like, I think for some, you know, myself included, you know, and yourself as well, like this has been like such a like needed reset back to like that core of like what's important what matters you know and like how are we gonna like achieve these things and that it's like it's, I, i've seen it as kind of like um like an incubation period you know where it's set it's like okay cool like we're in the incubator and it's cool like there are there are rules within this incubator stay six feet wear a mask get your sanitizer wash your hands you know there are rules but you know it's that's not a hard game to play like right not at all. And if you really, um, like you said, once you learn the rules of the game, this is this is like for people to listen. To, I'll tell you what I find about COVID. You are never going to find another opportunity like this. Like I said, the last time, yes, years, you will never find another opportunity to level up like this again. Fuck yeah, like there, yes. there is no like the old way. I used to be like, oh, I got to do this. I got to be here by like whatever o'clock. Like you don't have that. Like you got stuff you got to do in the crib, but you're in the crib, like mm -hmm. in your jammies, like. Right. Yeah, like <laughs> Think about like the time, like if you're like the time that you that you spend like binging Netflix or like watching whatever, like how many books you could read, how many ex, how much exercise, like that yes. was like what I started doing. Like I start, I really got like I was always doing audio books prior, but like I really started going hard on Audible during like the pandemic. So I've been doing like at least like a book and a half a month. No way. Um, like I started working out, like doing like push up, sit ups, like all that type of stuff, like more than I ever had because I had time. Um, you know what I mean? You're, yeah. You're not be anywhere, and you can also connect with. It's it's now become normal to connect with anybody anywhere in the world. Um, and not have to go there. There is no more like oh, let me hop on a flight. Like I've been on calls with people from Africa. I've been on calls with people from Europe, like on the Zoom. Like no right? way. Like, there's no. There's no like. You know, it's not a one eight one nine hundred number. It's no like you know. Yeah, no costly call. flight and hotel yeah. lodging. Yeah. Yeah, if you got internet, if you got Zoom, you can literally connect with anybody in the world. And it's like so much time, and there's knowledge and resources like out there. You just have to like absorb it. Yeah, dude, <laughs> excuse me, that is so, I mean, that's, a, you bring up like a really great uh, positive for uh, a lot of stock owners of Zoom, uh, but yeah. a positive contribution that has come out of the, the pandemic, which is the mass connection uh, and improvement in internet services like all across the globe and like through that even more connections to businesses at an incredibly low cost which opens up the door of opportunity even more so than it ever has been opened before and that's so fucking cool 
I mean, going back to like what you just said, think about it, like the, the implications of it financially, right? Like you don't have to pay the gas to go commute into work every day. You probably mm-hmm. don't have to pay for parking. You probably don't have to pay to buy lunch every day. You're probably not going out buying that $5 cup of Starbucks coffee. Yep. So like there's the, like the money going. I know you're using more electricity and things like that in the house. But like that, that goes back to the importance of planning, like trying to figure out like this money that wasn't going here. Now maybe you could build up a savings account. Like that's how you start in, investing. Like doing the money that was going to like all like just the world, the money that you had to spend to be out in the world. Keep that in the pot and do something else with it. That's such Hell a yeah. opportunity. But like I said, just mentally, like you you have time. Like you can you can um, have more time alone with yourself. Like and just just to do whatever you want to do and be wherever you want to be. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, I love that like you're channeling this energy into like positive things that it's not necessarily like you had to go and like buy a workout tape or, you know, like get a subscription somewhere or like do something. It's literally just like, this is, you know, a thing that you do for yourself. You take care of yourself physically and you take care of yourself mentally by investing in a app service like audible whereas if you think about it like the internet tv streaming subscriptions have become so varied and the channels that they carry and the movies that they carry you basically have to you're basically probably paying more now than you've ever paid for watching tv watching something that like i can't believe i'm going to quote my grandma but um corrupt something that corrupts your brain corrupts your mind you know and i i mean i will admit i was one of those people that in the you know early in the pandemic i was like riding like really strong and was like you know working out regularly was you know kind of doing it and you know i'd kind of like hit this point in july where you know, I was like, oh, nothing, you know, in June, you know, especially this was like right around two, you know, when when uh, George Floyd was murdered and, you know, the, the rest of the world became aware of what actually happens every single day to black and brown and men and women across the fucking country, you know, and then, you know, you have this like whole, like just, you know, collective sorrow. And I think of myself as like an empath. So it was like a very like, difficult, you know, time. And I want to, you know, check in, you know, with you as well, like about that, you know, if that's all right. But like, you know, I got to a point where like mentally I made the decision that I wasn't strong enough and that I was, and that, you know, while I recognized the privilege that it was for me to be able to like wallow in my own shit and not have to just like fuck this and soldier on, you know, like I also started realizing that, you know, while I liked the shows that I was watching. What was I actually doing to like productively challenge this energy, you know, in a way that actually was a positive for my community and for, for myself, because like it gave me this outlet and, you know, I'm quite frankly, this is like the, the byproduct of that experience of kind of being that couch potato and taking for granted the time that we have here on this earth and the time that we have here, you know, in quarantine um, and doing that. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Like I'll say for me, you know, in the beginning, it was definitely painful to see like the type of images that we, um, you know, that we've seen and see up close, but 
it was um you know it wasn't as it's, 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 it's crazy as it is to see like these things are starting to become like so like normalized these days right like we, we see it every um so often so um it wasn't the first time i like i would say like this year um like in the beginning of because we were facing all this like the same time as like the quarantine like i haven't really felt like this um since like back like years ago when um like trayvon martin and like yeah people killed yeah. um but like I said like as painful as we feel like today like i we've all felt this same pain over and over again and it's like the world is just being like oh i can't believe it like what can i do and it's yeah like, what it's always been like it's, it's the same way that it felt like like i said knowing like i've been the the, the whole thing that it's like made me um feel like it's, it's again it's just made me be back and feel thankful because like so many times where I've been pulled over and had like guns pointed at me or like my younger brothers have experienced that or like just it just makes you be thankful to still be alive right like yeah you know. and well in having two young daughters in the uh, during you know this kind of like mass publicization of black men and black men and women being murdered, you know, by what they're ultimately, I'm assuming, being taught in like pri and, and primary school is, you know, to police officers are good, like they follow the law, we're good citizens, whatever, like, you know, how have you been able to, have you guys communicated that with your six-year-olds? Um, well, she, um, especially like, given how smart she is. Yeah, all of this stuff that she sees is is really like scary for her. So you know, it's it's funny, like you know, like you said, kids learn that, but what they're actually seeing on the TV, um, is like hearing the stories of police like hurting people that look like us. Um, but you know, we have like we have we have police officers that are like in the like in the family and different stuff like that. So you know, um, it's it's just it's just like it's just a tough conversation. Like I don't I, I'm now I'm thinking about I don't know how explicitly like actually sat down and like told her what's going on but she knows and she you know she can see it yeah yeah no i mean you know have you been able how how have you been able to kind of navigate these like feelings i mean granted you know it is something that like you have been dealing we've all you know been aware of for you know a few years at this point you know like how have you been able to deal with those feelings um yeah yeah I think so like for me like I said I um I started I started um like I started really started doing a lot of workout stuff early in like the quarantine like doing my morning walks um like to kind of like meditate do all of that stuff has been good um but really just kind of like staying busy and staying focused to a certain extent um and this is just the way that I operate like um I, I try to think of it and i, I want to make sure i say this the right way but there's a lot of um like bad things that are going on in the world but if you internalize that it's so much if you like let the burden weigh you down yep um you won't be able to operate and do what you need to do so like simply i, I like i don't right like i know all these things are going on in the world and i think the best thing that i can do is try to put some positive um you know, put some positivity out there in the world and really, like I said, treasure my time because I could be, a, um, 
I could be George Floyd at any moment, right? Like I could, I could be all, like, I see myself in all of these people. So it's just trying to value and treasure my time um, and experiences with my family. So that like, if it is me for one, um, you know, like I said, it, it can, my life wouldn't be in vain because of whatever legacy I've left here. Um, and then for two, I said, just, just enjoying and, you know, just living, living the moment, right? Yeah. Like I said, um, I try not to let the, like, like I said, all these, like all these outside, um, like all the outside, um, not to say noise, but yeah, like, like the noise, right? Like I feel like I'm going towards a destination and kind of like anything that is not, um, like helping me get further towards that. Um, I have to like, you know, figure out how I can like, you know, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you just figure yeah. out to, like, how to, how to impact it. Like, you know, we've, we've been, we've been marching, we've been protesting, we've been doing this for, for so long. Um, like I said, I just want to figure out how, like, how can I add to the solution? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like my small little way in the world, I don't, I'm not able to impact everything, but like, I think of like my contribution that I've been making the social justice, if you will, in the movement now is yeah. different. Um, just because like I think cannabis is a major issue and I've been able to help people um impact there. Like I haven't um I haven't been out on the front lines of marching it, if you will. Like I've I've been out to marches twice. Um, but I have you know, but having kids, you know, like I'm I'm have to be here for them. Yeah. Um, also it's something that I've you know, that I've done a lot before in the past. Like I was um like I helped Reverend Sharpton when he organized the Justice for All People March after Michael Brown was killed. Like I was a volunteer on the ground actually assisting him. Um, like I, I've been Amazing. on this stuff a lot of different in a lot of different ways. So now, like I said, I'm trying to, like I said, just do my part and what I can to help um, move the movement forward. Hell yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, any way that you know uh, we can, you know, help you, like. Absolutely, man. Just like, let me know because there, I, it really is like, I've said this on a, um, you know, in, in the conversations over the last like few months, but like, I feel like everyone has a, a part to play in this cycle of change that we're experiencing, like as a population and like knowing like what your strengths are, but then also being able to like open up those doors for other people or like share with them, you know, the, the resources or knowledge, you know, that you have or bring them in, you know, that's, there are, a, there's a few ways that you can play that, but it's like the matter of like knowing like what your strength is and knowing like where you fit in. So when someone does like reach out for that, like, or, you know, if somebody, you see someone that needs that, like you're able to like step in and like help out and, you know, help continue to grow um this movement the the individual yeah and so like for me I've, like i said i've been supporting organizations that are like out you know doing the work because I, I think that's the best way to do it um and like i said i've just been like staying in my lane trying to um you know impact the world and especially our people right because if uh, i think if we can become successful and we can like you said have um build wealth then that that's that definitely builds um you know, opportunities for us to own our own destiny. Because if you don't own, um, if you don't control your financial destiny, you don't control anything. Ooh, I love that. One more time. Like, 
Yeah, like I said, I like if you don't control your your financial destiny, you don't control the money, you don't control anything, right? You don't even control your time. Even to get money, you have to trade off your time to get it. So like being able to put yourself in a position where you can um, create wealth and, and not only fish, but teach other people to fish and like show them, not only teach them how to fish, but show them where the ocean is. This is where the ocean is with all the fish, right? Like making those connections. I think that is... um. That is that helps to chip away at it as well because um, people talk about a lot about um, you know like we had communities like Black Wall Street where where dollars circulated they were able to stay in our community um, able to go back into businesses um, essentially as we can do that if we again if we can control our financial destiny um, then we can control a lot. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean that and that's just like that's such an important lesson to learn, you know, true freedom isn't just being able to do what you want. It's to have the financial resources to do what you want and how and you and dictate exactly how you achieve it and how you get it. And that's, that's something that um, I think, especially within communities of color, you know, more often than not, they're can be targeted i think i said this like earlier too you know like they can be targeted you know for like some of these more you know like kind of scams or like taking advantage of or you know like hey let's triple your money like really quickly and see how it goes or you know oh let's take out a quick loan because the cash and loan is like right on the fucking corner you know like it's just this like predatory like business practices that exists you know especially as it relates to controlling your financial future um, you know, I think it's really important to to remind people that like that's true freedom. That is really like how you make this make sense of all of this nonsense that that goes on day in and day out. You know, year in year out. Definitely. Um, you live in Maryland. You live you're you're you live in D.C. Like you have to have an opinion about what's going on. Like with well, you don't have to, but I'm assuming you do. <laughs> I mean, what do you think of the current administration? The election is next week. When this airs, we'll already know what our fate is. But what, predictions, thoughts? What are you thinking? And again, we, we may not know what it is, right? Because we're hearing a lot of, um, you know, I'll say some of the stuff that, that is um, worrisome, like, you know, feel like there could be a challenge like voting by mail like does this dude want to leave the white house like yeah there's so many factors um you know you know first of all kamala harris is of hu alum is on the is on the ticket as the vp so she has my full support so you know i mean like i said this is i think this is a super important election right there's a a lot of things at stake um just the general, um, like the general, like feel and vibe of the country in terms of like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. We've, we've seen there where people can boldly, like, it's okay for somebody to say, like, to be hateful. Yeah. Like, yeah. we've seen where, um, you know, like, we've seen like COVID, just COVID in itself, like, the science of like people saying is we got a deadly disease. And you got the president out here not wearing masks and like just that's that's crazy um <laughs> it's just like the it's you know it's just it's just the um 
I said, there's just, it's just an important, important thing. And I think we have people that feel disenfranchised and they feel like it's not important to vote, but it really is so important because so many things are impacted by that. Not just like whether the president is somebody you like or not, but like, if you look at some of the, um, some of the policies around like immigration in the country, right? Like they're making it more difficult for people to get visas, right? Like mm-hmm. stuff like that matters. Um, we got children locked up at the borders, right? Like we got um, like early on, like funding was cut for different types of programs. We have them eliminating like diversity training and like stuff oh, yeah. like that. Like there's, there's so many different um there's so many different things that really impact our communities that need to be um, focused on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think too, you know, part of what has made his fan base, I'll call them, um, so devout is because he is like so actively defiant. And I, I feel like he like attracts like, all of these, you know, contrarians, and then he blasts you with nonsensical content so that he clogs up the news feeds of what actually fucking matters. And whether he does that consciously or not, you're damn sure his administration has already thought about that and seen that as his greatest strength. Right. Well, that's the, and that's the other thing that I was going to say, like, as much as, like, I've, I've, and I've even gotten to the point where now, like, even like these political headlines and news, I tune that out because it's like, I already know what my platform and agenda is. And what I don't need is like, I don't need to like watch the news, like, and hear them talking about Donald Trump and every little thing he did all day. To, like, literally. My life. Like, literally, like, if it doesn't like add, uh, going back to what I was saying, like, if it doesn't add value, like, hearing about Trump's newest antics. He said this, he did that. It's not putting no money in my pocket. It's not like yep. a better person. It's not going to make me feel <laughs> Like, why do I care, right? Like, yep. literally, like, some of this stuff, it, like, we, we've turned to where, like, the our politics is like reality TV where we're watching it, like, just to hear, oh, he said this, he did that. Oh, yeah. Who cares? Like, let's, like, let's, we need oh, to yeah. be focused actual policies like what's going on like what's getting passed like what's being yep. done like not even like the what somebody said that really doesn't impact anything i'm i'm trying to get past that hell yeah <laughs> well no i mean you know it's funny um our mutual friend and you know a very near and dear person to my heart uh justinian mason you know that's literally been his perspective this whole covid that's this who cares like why why are we focusing on this bring it inward bring it to yourself like bring it to what matters to you because when because you know you can't control this nonsense and you know we don't know what's going to happen i'm really hoping that you know um some magic just pulls through and we're able to at least scrape by you know with a, a democratic candidate that is able to course correct very much like what obama did after the bush administration just like come in there course correct write it out for four years and then we find you know while we're doing that we find a better we find another candidate that actually you know has the 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 cojones the balls the the experience to direct our country in a direction that is equitable to both 
parties and not just like, you know, a far left leaning liberal, you know, palace, which like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think I would mind living that way. I think I would actually quite enjoy living that way. But, you know, I do also think that like at its core, the Republican Party does have like some, you know, interesting perspectives on the, on the law and, and how it should be interpreted. And that's literally what these two parties like represented, you know, were just different interpretations of the law and built, you know, government systems around their ability to communicate those interpretations and convince the people within their districts that this is like, this is the shit, like you got to follow this or, you know, whatever and, and vote for me so that I can continue doing these innovative things. Like, Right. And that's where I think it's, it's important for people to really know and understand the issues and how they relate and how and what's important to them and not really watching the news cycles. Right. Like, I think a good example of that we saw last week, like literally 50 Cent made an Instagram post, like saying something about like the taxes and like I'm voting after that I'm voting for Trump. Within, within a couple minutes, they were actually reporting this on like news stations, like real news stations, CNN's like other world, talking about 50 cents, says he's endorsing Trump. They're like a, a, some, an Instagram post that a artist made is being reported all over the world as if it's news. And now you're influencing other people to like spread that message and say, oh, 50 cents for Trump. And now somebody that might've never even thought about that, they're thinking <sighs> about it. Like they're, like they're playing these games. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I would just rather not even participate. Like why do oh, I yeah. care or need to know? Yep. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh so yeah. Like, I can consume um like what i want to consume it's like now we like we have smartphones we have access to so much stuff like i go on my phone and google like i get the daily update i scroll through see what articles are relevant which ones i want to read yep. from, which ones i don't i don't and i just <laughs> just stay yep. well so what how do you do your research like what new like what sources do you utilize to get your information um like I said, I, I I listen to talk. I listen to talk radio. My dad got. Oh my, hell yeah! My dad. That's that's one thing I definitely got from my dad. Like the talk radio thing since COVID, because he's listening to it like all day, every day. Like Joe Madison and those types of people. Mm -hmm. um, I love that now on like Twitter and Facebook. Like they will like it has the little things and it'll tell you like if it's potentially fake news or if it's. Like, oh yeah. Um, um I, I, twitter has become like one of my like favorite places to like get stuff okay um, i see a lot of stuff there um like i said I've, I've more so more so than i've been consuming news i've mostly with the exception of like cannabis news and stuff and like i still watch cnbc regularly like to get finance stuff i'll always be a finance guy financial um, wizard yeah so like i always listen to that but like I, i've been reading more books and like things like non-fiction like historical stuff than i have been like actually watching and listening to the news okay what's the been uh the latest book that you read you said you do about a book and a half a month yeah the latest um the latest book that i just started now um a book called the four agreements it was one that oh yeah i literally just started it when i was up in boston like a week ago he told me it was his favorite book hell and yeah and so i just started on that i just finished um the book originals um malcolm gladwell right yep yeah how was that it was it was good. He gives he gives a lot of different perspectives, um, like and gives it through like a like telling the story through people, like kind yeah. of 
experiences that they've had. That was good. Um, the last one I, I read before that was actually 50 Cent's Hustle Smarter, um, Not Harder. That was Whoa. a good book. Yeah? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of good ones out there. Oh, dude, you should start a book club. You know, I thought about that, and that's that's the other thing. Me and the um, me and the homie Shane said we were going to start a book club too, because that's another thing. When we talk, we, we talk about books a lot. Um, so we we talked about starting a book club, and um, I think for me, I even talked about because even when I was um, getting into the cannabis industry, there were certain books that I was reading. Some of them were like cannabis focused, but then some of them were just other like motivational stuff because mm. you need to push yourself to, um, you know be able to so yeah as a matter of fact I'll, I'll show you what's in I'll say what's in my audible playlist Woo-hoo! Um, so um I have originals that was the last one I've read um the four agreements um the souls of black folks W.E.B. Du Bois um the fire next time by James Baldwin the new Jim Crow Michelle Alexander Ooh. the power of favor by Joel Osteen um, the Ten Times Royal Grant Cardone, I haven't read that one yet. Um, the Way of the Wolf, Jordan Belfort, he's the person that... Yeah, Wolf, yeah, yeah. Uh, was the bomb. Um, I started Meta Human by Deepak Chopper, I didn't finish it. Ooh. Hustle Harder, Hustle Smarter, The Millionaire um, Booklet by Grant Cardone. Oh, No You Shut Up by Simone Sanders. This joint was the bomb, yo. That's a great book. Um, okay. I read the alchemist oh that's a good one and that was one of the ones i read early on when i was getting into cannabis um the cannabis manifesto steve d'angelo i read that 48 laws of power i've read this book like the actual physical book multiple times and um and the real one um intelligent investor gary v crushing it the art of seduction kamala harris the truths we hold John McKay, Conscious Capitalism, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that's the classic everybody in the world yeah. has to read that once. Um, Cannabis Pharmacy, this one might be surprising. Trump, The Art of the Deal, I've read, listened to that audio book since COVID. How was actually, that? I've read the physical book before. Now, now, what people will argue back and fight me on is they'll say he really didn't write it because there was the whole thing like when he was coming out for president. But he, Donald Trump actually had some like gems in there that I think that you can take away from him. Even if he like, so to, to frame it properly, um, this dude is like out of his mind, he's like completely nuts. But he actually took that to being president though, right? Like if you talk about like the-, the Yeah, oh the, yeah, yeah. So like he has this thing where he talked about like how many phone calls he made. Like he, he had this, he was very like methodical and like, like his- process and so some stuff you could take from that um michelle obama becoming oh yeah um, love that thinking grow rich that's a great book by napoleon hill um my book that i want to write eventually is like a somewhat of a spin on that i want to write a book called token grow rich okay um, um big weed by christian hageseth um how to win friends and influence people this was um this classic that was a classic. I read that early on and f- when I started in finance and reread that again. Um, the Million Dollar Financial Services Practice. Um, and then um, The Richest Man in Babylon. That's another dope. Classic, um, yeah. So yeah, like these are like, I've literally like all I of these. I love this. Like I, I've, I've read like every single one of these joints like over like 
it, it, like over the past, like within the past year and some change, you might as well say. That's awesome. No, I like, I, on the road trip with my sister, just like recently got back into audiobooks. I've always been like, my favorite thing about flying was that I would go to the airport and at the airport, I'd be able to pick up a book. And so I would like read books on flights. You know, I had a rule, like I didn't do any work on air on my flights. I learned some, I, but I learned something, you know, because it's like, sometimes you're on a plane for like two, three, four hours. And it's like, well, what the fuck am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have not been able to get like a new book, but restarted my Audible subscription. And I had like, you know, I don't have my phone near me, but like there were like a lot of really great books in there that like when you think about, you know, the access to it, you know, when you're just like by chance that the airport would have it, I'm like, oh, maybe they would. Like, oh, you know, maybe they don't, but I can now listen to it. And sorry, the point that I'm trying to make is that um, it's like something that I have been using in my free time versus like watching TV, which is like a stimulating that like creativity, you know, that imagination kind of part of my brain that I feel like I've just recently like re-tapped back into so big audiobook fan here we actually used to like listen to them as kids on road trips like yeah did you did you do them as well like the books on tape stuff like that yes it's it's coming back and the the, i'll say the other another um physical book that i just bought um recently which is really good it's called why should white guys have all the fun and it's (laughs) it's story it was actually um it was on the reading list the summer before I went to Howard and I like didn't read it. And like, I always knew about the book and I heard about it, but it's something that I actually reread thinking about how to potentially um, like apply those principles to the cannabis industry. So it's, it's a book about a black entrepreneur. His name was Reginald Lewis. Um, he was like one of the first black billionaires. Yeah. Um, I want to say back in like the eighties, um, maybe earlier than that, he like, he purchased like a, a multi-million dollar conglomerate, like a huge corporation through a leveraged buyout, right? So he, um, through like borrowed money, like he raised the capital to go purchase this like large company, increased the revenues, like made it more valuable and then like sold it for like billions of dollars, right? So if you, the, the way that I thought about that applies to cannabis is like, we're in a situation now where we have all these people like applying for licenses all over the country, right? It costs mm-hmm. a lot of money. Like people oh, yeah. a million dollars and apply for a license and not win. So mm-hmm. I started thinking like, I mean, why, what, what reason is there that, um, that somebody couldn't go out and just acquire a, an existing cannabis business, right? Like if mm-hmm. you actually know how to like, if you actually know how to, if you understand finance and you know how to put a deal together is something that could be done because, if you're, you're buying a company based off of the existing revenue that already exists in the company. So if I come yeah. and say, there's, hey, here's X company is doing X, Y, Z, like revenue per month, annually, whatever. The the revenue that that company is already producing itself supports the actual financing, right? Yeah. So why, why can't a black team that has the expertise come in and say, we want to buy one of these other big companies? I'm, I, like, I personally believe that figuring out how to put that together the right way really is a, is a much more successful strategy to try to, um, 
like take over the cannabis industry, if you will, because like, oh yeah, why should we keep putting up this money for something that's not guaranteed. If we can do something, that's guaranteed. So I've, Dude. I've been trying to figure out again. Try, I've always trying to figure out ways to marry like the financial background to like the cannabis background. Now, like I said, that's something that, I, that I'm trying to figure out. Um, Nail, like I said, try to apply those same principles that he used to the cannabis industry. I love that. No, I mean, I think that's like that is at its core, like what the industry has been doing the last couple years to kind of level up is Mm -hmm. how do we take principles and uh, strategies from other industries and bring that into ours, but, you know, mold it and shape it in a way that, that fits what the products and the the businesses that they're working with. Um, You know, have you like been able to connect with um, you know, any businesses that have been able, like, that are in, would be interested in kind of putting this, something like this together? You know what? I have, uh, I can't, uh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's all I can say. I, I don't want to. Uh, Got uh, it. Yeah, yeah, but I said, it is a, it is a, it is a, a good idea. And I'll say, you know, over the, like over the past couple of months, that was one like a project that I was working on. Like I said, actually, like not just trying to do it in theory. Like I, I did, I'll say I did actually, and I won't say, I won't say did, I'll say kind of like doing like I, I've something, this is something I've, that I've actually been trying to do like in real life to see if mm. I can do it. So the theory that I have, I'll say I will try to, I'm actively trying to see if, if I can do it. Like Ah, say. yes. Hell yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. I mean, that's, yes, 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 yes. You're doing it. And I believe that you will achieve the goals that you set out for yourself. And I believe that this will work in the ways that you want it to and show you so much more opportunity to continue to grow and expand this into something even more grander and greater than your wildest dreams. Putting that on. Cause I think it's something that the world needs to see also, right? Because we hear so much and I'm, I'm always big on like reversing these narratives. We always hear about our, um, you know, our companies, like our folks getting taken advantage of being like big MSO X, like gave like one of our people some fuck deal, like mm-hmm. you know, lack of a better word or yeah. um, like us, because we don't have capital, like selling out for less, um, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like Jimmy, I always think like when he, like the song H to the Izzo and he was like, pay us what you owe us for all <laughs> these motives, right? Yes. Like, that's like what's going on in the cannabis industry. And I think it's like, again, I think it's just something to figure out and applying these um, like financial principles to be able to possibly be able to do it. So we'll see. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing that's interesting if like, you know, if you don't have money, it's hard to talk about like buying some multi-million mm-hmm. like, companies if you don't have money but financial principles are financial principles and a deal is a deal like if I don't have the money but you can have access to the deal like there's there's ways to get in absolutely well you'll have to keep us posted maybe we'll do a a part two uh (laughs) in a couple months to see see what's going on um, yeah, I can't believe I even said that, but like, I, when somebody asks me a question, I do just always tell the truth. So, hell yeah! Well, I appreciate that, man. I didn't mean to put you on on the spot, but you know, if it uh, if it happens, the opportunity is there, and I appreciate you for sharing that because I mean, I I can't wait. I can't wait to see what you do because this is sorely needed, and I would love for you to be the face of it. 
like a hundred percent and to really lead that initiative. Like it just, that makes, that gives me hope for the industry. It gives me hope for opportunity. Um, but I wanted to ask you, uh, when you were in grade school um, and you were going to the primarily African American school, or the the like, it was so it was solely or solely. Oh, yeah. African- it was, it was, what was, was the all, name of the school? Like, it was called African People's Action School. African People's Action School. Um, were you? Did you guys practice like any sort of like uh, like lineage tracing or like um, any sort of like? learning more about where you're from within like Africa, like, you know, like genetic, like tracking. I know what you mean. And no, we, we never did that specifically, but we learned a lot about like cultures and customs, like, um, like speaking Swahili, um, like things like that. Like we did, um, Kwanzaa, like we celebrated Kwanzaa, um, you know, like all the way back then. Um, that was a big part of it. Um, you know, I've I've done like ancest like the little ancestry.com things kind of traced my family back as far as I can go. But that's like the extent of um you know what I've done. Cool. Yeah, I've always wanted to like um do that, but I'm also just like super skeptical. I don't know, like you know, did did you feel like there was a part of you that was fulfilled or like yeah, like I, I, ne- I never went as far as like I know you could do like the whole DNA joints and everything. I've never done that, but like where you like kind of go, yeah, go back and look through like the records and everything. It, it is interesting, like the stuff that's out there in the world because they'll have like old census um, reports and things like, like that from like a long time ago. But it's also interesting with people of color because like um, you know we didn't they didn't necessarily keep records as well. Yeah. Um, like that as well so yeah be a little bit more to do yeah um the national museum of african-american history and culture has a um they actually have like a a center for you to be able to kind of do some like research like that that's so cool yeah i gotta check it out next time i go because i would definitely recommend it is that in dc it is in dc yeah oh whoa very cool No, yeah, that African American History Museum is fire. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, every time I was in DC, it was ever. It was only ever for lobby days, and so like for you know basically like lobby days, it was there, and then you basically gone. You know, you'd arrive day of, and you kind of get there. There wasn't a lot of room for like sightseeing, but that's like the one one regret I have about being in DC and not like seeing any museums or like, you know, any monuments or anything beyond like what we were like walking through, you know, like, oh, that's really cool. It's definitely they can walk on, you know. Um, well, uh, this has been a phenomenal, phenomenal conversation. I really appreciate you like so, so, so much. Um, your honesty, your just, your confidence, your coolness, like you're just, I mean, it really, like, whatever the hype is around you, one, I know it doesn't affect you, but like, y'all, it is totally valid. This dude is the shit, and y'all should know about my guy, Tahir Johnson. Um, I have one last question to ask you. It is our last core question uh, to hear, but I wanted to, so, to say, to express my gratitude to you, ma'am, because this really has been like such a, a, a wonderful conversation, and I really appreciate you. 
appreciate uh, that. Yeah, anytime I can. Um, if, if people want to hear what I have to say, I'm glad to say it. Hell yeah. We're all, we will, like, who knows? Maybe we will do a part two in a couple months and see see what's going on, like a check-in episode. Like, And on this week, we are going to talk with Tahir Johnson, founder of... Uh, <laughs> um, but our fourth and final core question and question of the evening is... What does being a person of color mean to you? Um, I think being a person of color um, is something to be proud of. Like, again, we come from such a long um, history of, of, of like kings, queens, great things. But not just that, even, even to look at today in recent times, the struggle, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful, thing right like not necessarily as we're living in it but to be um to be black to be able to um like win like there's there's such a uh, and I can't don't even know how to put it into words right like just but just like the pride just the um just the swag just the yeah. the intelligence that comes with it is something that um you know it, it, it you just you just can't get and I think it's important for us to like it's important for us to support each other. It's important for us to um, uplift each other. It's important for us to be like unified um, and like just be hopeful. Like don't ever, don't, wherever you are um, does not have to be your circumstances, right? Like we are, um, we still have a long way to go and um, just be hopeful, right? Like we're in a crazy place in the world where it seems like um, people are finally starting to pay attention to all the stuff that we've been saying all these years. But um, regardless of that, like, you know, just, um, you know, black is beautiful. What else can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All of, yeah, you know, and you gotta, you gotta right. believe it. You gotta believe it. You gotta yep. believe it. And like we said, if you believe it, you can achieve it and just, oh, just yeah. get it. Get that shit. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, well, to hear, dude, I thank you, man. This has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, I hope you and your family have a wonderful Halloween. I know when this post it will be after Halloween, so y'all, chill out. Uh, but you know, it is like I, I hope that you guys, you know, just continue to, to prosper and to grow and to have abundance and and everything that you need in abundance. Like, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. All right, y'all. I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> I said thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Uh, y'all, this is the Being a Person of Color podcast. I'm your host, AG, single plant mom. Uh, Amanda, that's my name, I guess. This is how I'm ending it. This is our 10th episode. We're going to take a break next week and resume posting and publishing the week of November 9th. Um, I hope y'all stay blessed and stay, stay true to you, man. Take care.